0: what are going on, peeps what are going on? it's valerie's naturals oracles and today we've got the Roadless Travel, traveled new psychology of love traditional values and spiritual growth and if you didn't know i'm actually reading two books at once i thought i'd do, I'd do a little p <laughs> a psa public service announcement if you didn't know i've also got patreon and you can come and join me on patreon for books for my videos for audios for learning material especially if you're into self-help and spirituality in general i do tarot and i also have a tarot i also have a tarot um youtube channel called valerie's naturals oracles so if you're really interested come and join me but i do read these books as a self-help guide along with other books so to uh, Uh, if you didn't know and i'm gonna say it again i'm reading the road less traveled i'm also reading about the astrology made easy but that's actually on my patreon so i'm reading two books a day per chapter section by section so i just thought i'd put that out there anyway (laughs) on to the actual book so we're on to we're on section three which is about religion And part four. And this should be the last part of this section until we move on to the next section, which is called Grace. So, let's go. So, the title here is The Baby and the Bathwater. The foregoing case studies were offered in response to a question. Is belief in God a form of psychotherapy? Or psychopathologically? Sorry, form of psychology. If if we are to rise out of the mire of childhood teachings local traditions and suspicions it is a question that must be asked but these case histories indicate that the answer is not a simple one the answer sometimes is just yes kathy's unquestioning belief in the god has her church and mother taught clearly regarded sorry i can't talk today i'm going to read that sentence again i'm really sorry the answer sometimes is yes kathy's unquestioning belief in the church her church and mother taught clearly retarded her growth and poisoned her spirit only by questioning and discarding her belief was she able to venture forth into a wider more satisfying more productive life only then was she free to grow But the answer also is sometimes no. As Marcia grew out of the cold microcosm of her childhood into a larger, warmer world, a belief in God also grew within her quietly and naturally. And Ted's forsaken belief in God had to be resurrected as an essential part of the liberation and resurrection of his spirit. What are we to do with this yes and no answer? Scientists are dedicated to asking questions in the search for truth. But they too are human and like all humans, they would like their answers to be clear and clear and easy. In their desire for simple solutions, scientists are prone to fall into two traps as they question the reality of God. The first is to throw the baby out of the bathwater and the second is tunnel vision there is clearly a lot of dirt bath water surrounding the reality of god holy wars inquisitions animal sacrifice human sacrifice superstition studification dogmatism ignorance hypocrisy self-righteousness rigidity cruelty book burning witch burning inhibition fear conformity morbid guilt insanity the list is almost endless, endless but it's all that was what god has done to humans or what humans have done to god it is abundantly evident evident that belief in god is often destructively dogmatic is the problem then that humans tend to believe in god or is it or is the problem that humans tend to be dogmatic anyone who has known a died in the war atheists will know that such an individual can be as dogmatic about unbelief as any believer can be about belief it is it is belief in god we need to get rid of or is it dogmatism another reason that scientists are so prone to throw the baby out the bathwater is the science itself as i've suggested is, is a religion that neo the neurotic scientists recently came or converted to the worldview of science can be ever bit as fanatical as a christian crusader or a soldier of allah this is particularly the case when we have come to science from a culture and home in which belief in god is firmly associated with ignorance suspicion rigidity and hypocrisy then we have emotional as well as intellectual motives to splash the idols of primitive faith A mark of maturity in scientists, however, is their awareness that science may be as subject to dogmatism as any other religion. I have firmly stated it is essential to our spiritual growth for us to become scientists who are sceptical of what we have been taught, that is, the common notions and assumptions of our culture. But the notions of science themselves often become cultural idols and it is necessary that we become skeptical of these as well it is indeed possible for us to mature out of a belief in god what i would now like to suggest is that it is also possible to mature into a belief in god a sceptical atheism or a a is not necessary the highest state of understanding as which human beings can arrive to the contrary there is reason to believe that behind superstitious notions and false concepts of god these lie, uh, there lies a reality that is god this is what paul tillich meant when he referred to the god beyond god and why some sophisticated christians used to proclaim joyfully god is dead Long live God. It is possible that the path of spiritual growth leads first out of suspicion into antagonism and then out of antagonism towards an accurate knowledge of God. It was of this path that Sufi Alba said Ibn Allah Kura was spoken more than 900, 900 years ago when he said, Until college and minaret have crumbled, the holy work of our will not be done. Until faith becomes rejection and rejection becomes belief, there will be no true Muslim. Whether or not the path of spiritual growth necessarily leads from a sceptical atheism or gothicism towards an accurate belief of God, the fact of the matter is that some intellectually sophisticated and sceptical people, such as Marcia and Ted, do seem to grow in the direction of belief. And it should be noted that this belief into which they grow was not at all like that out of what kathy evolved the god that comes before skepticism may bear little resemblance to the god that comes after as i re- as i mentioned at the beginning of this section there is no single monolithic religion there are many religions and perhaps many levels to believe some religions may be unhealthy for some peoples others may be healthy all this is of particular importance Import for those scientists who are psychologists or psychotherapists dealing so directly with the growth process, they more than anyone else are called upon to make judgment as to the healthinessness, the healthiness of an individual belief system, because psychotherapists generally belong to a skeptic, to a generally belong to a skeptical if not strictly Freudian tradition there is a tendency for them to consider any passionate belief in God to be psychological. Upon occasion this tendency may go over the line in, in a frank and bias and prejudice. Line into frank bias and prejudice. Not long ago I met a college senior who was giving serious consideration to the possibility of entering a monastery a few years hence. He had been a psychotherapy for the preceding year and was continuing but I had not been able to tell my therapist about the monastery or the depth of my religious belief he confided i don't think he would understand i did not begin to know this young man well enough to assess the meaning that the monastery held for him or whether his desire to join it was neurotically determined i very much would like have liked to say to him you really ought to tell your therapist about it It is essential for your therapy that you be open about everything, particularly a serious matter such as this. You should trust your therapist to be objective, but I did not, for I was not at all sure that his therapist would be objective, that he would understand in the true meaning of the word. Psychiatrists and psychotherapists who have simplistic attitudes towards religion are likely to do A disservice to some of their patients this will be true if they regard all religion as good or healthy it will also be true if they throw out the baby with the bath water and regard all religions as sickness of the of the enemy and finally it will be true if in the face of the complexity of the matter they withdrew themselves from dealing at all with the religious issues of their parent patients hiding behind a cloak of such total objectivity that they do not consider it to be their role to be themselves in any way spiritually or religiously involved. For their patients often need their involvement. I do not mean to imply that they should forsake their objectivity or that balancing their objectivity with their own spirituality is an easy matter. It is not. To the contrary, my plea would be that psychotherapists of all kinds should push themselves to become not less involved, but rather more sophisticated in religious matters that they frequently are. So, scientific tunnel vision. Occasionally, psychiatrists encounter patients with a strange disturbance of vision. These patients are able to see only a very narrow area directly in front of them. They cannot see anything to the left or to the right, above or below that their narrow focus. They cannot see two objects adjacent to each other at the same time. They can They can see only one thing at a time and must turn their heads if they are to see another. They liken this symptom to looking down a tunnel, being able to see only a small circle of light and clarity at the end. No physical disturbance in their visual system can be found to account for the symptom it is as if for some reason they do not want to see more than than immediately meets the eye more than what they choose to focus their attention upon another major reason that scientists are prone to throw the baby out of the bath water is that they do not see the baby many simple scientists simply do not look at the evidence of the reality of god they suffer from a kind of tunnel vision a so, so, psychologist a psycholo- psychologically sorry a psychologically self-imposed psychological set of blinders which prevents them from turning their attention to the realm of the spirit. Among the causes of this scientific tunnel vision, I would like to discuss two that result from the nature of a scientist tradition. The first of these is the idea of method- methodology. in its laudable insistence upon existence, accurate observations and verifi- verifiability science has placed great emphasis upon measurement to measure something is to experience it in a certain dimension a dimension in which we can we can make observations of great accuracy when which are repeated by others the use of measurement has enabled science to make enormous strides in the understanding of the material universe but by virtue of its success measurement has become a kind of scientific idol the result is an attitude on the part of many scientists of not only skepticism but outright rejection of what cannot be measured it is as if they want to they were to say what we cannot measure we cannot know there is no point in worrying about what we cannot know. Therefore, what cannot be measured is unimportant and one worthy of our observation. Because this attitude, many scientists exclude from their serious consideration all matters that are or seem to be intangible, including, of course, the matter of God. This strange but remarkably common assumption that things that are not easy to study do not merit study is beginning to be challenged by several relatively recent developments within science itself one of the developments of increasingly sophisticated method of study through the use of hardware such as electron microscopes spectral oh, I can't pronounce some of these words spectral and computers I guess it's a form of measurement, (laughs) and computers and software such as statistical techniques, we are now able to make measurements of increasingly complex phenomena which a few decades ago was unmeasurable. The range of scientific vision is consequently expanding. As it continues to expand, perhaps we should soon be able to say there is nothing beyond the limits of our vision. If we decide to study something, we can always find the methodology with which to do it. The other development that is assisting us to escape from scientific tunnel vision is the relatively recent discovery by science of the reality of paradox. A hundred years ago, paradox meant error to the scientific mind. By exploring such phenomena at the, at the nature of light, Electro, electromagnetism, quantum mechanics and really and relatively theory, physical science has matured over the past century to the point where it is increasingly recognised that, at a certain level, reality is paradoxical. Thus, J. Robert Oponhenia wrote, To what appear to be the simplest question, we will tend to give either no answer or an answer which will at least first sight be reminiscent more of a strange catechism that of the straightforward the straightforward affirmatives of physical science. If we ask, for instance, for instance, whether the position of the electron remains the same, we must say no. If we ask whether the electron's position changes with time, we must say no. If we ask whether the electron is at best, we must say no. If we ask whether it is in motion, we must say no. The Buddha has given such answers when interrogated as to the conditions of a man's man's self after his death. But they are not the familiar answers for the tradition of 17th and 18th century science. So that was, uh, there's a footnote here, it says science and the common understanding. And that's where the the, um, actual excerpt came from there. So, mystics have spoken to us through the ages in terms of paradox. It is possible that we are beginning to see a meeting ground between science and religion. When we are able to say that a human is both mortal and ethereal at the same time and light is both a wave and a particle at the same time, we have, been, we have begun to speak the same language. It is possible that the path of spiritual growth that proceeds from religious to superstition to scientific skepticism may indeed ultimately lead us to a genuine religious reality this beginning possibly of unification of religion and science is the most significant exciting happenings in our intellectual life today but it is only just beginning for the most part both the religious and the scientific remains in in self-imposed narrow frames of reference each still largely blinded by its own particular type of tunnel vision examine for instance the behavior of both in regard to the question of miracles. Even the idea of a miracle in antomotherma to most scientists, over the past four year, 400 years or so, science has el- elucidated a number of natural laws, such as two objects attract each other in proportion to their mass and in inverse proportion to the distance between them, or energy can neither be de- created nor destroyed, but having been successful in discovering natural laws, scientists in their world view have made an idol out of the concept of natural law, just as they have made an idol out of the notion of measurement. The result is that any event that cannot be explained by currently understood natural law is assumed to be unreal by the scientific, the scientific establishment. <clears throat> in regard to methodology, science has tended to say, "What is very difficult to study does merit." doesn't merit study and in regard to natural law science tends to say what is very difficult to understand doesn't exist the church has been a bit more broad-minded to the religious establishment what cannot be understood in terms of known natural law is a miracle and miracles do exist but beyond authenticating their existence the church has not been anxious to look at miracles very closely miracles need to be scientifically examined has been the prevailing religious attitude. They should simply be accepted as fact of God. The religious have not wanted their religions shaken by science, just as the scientist has not wanted their science to be shaken by religion. Events of miraculous healing, for instance, have been used by the Catholic Church to authenticate its saints, and they are almost standard fare for most Protestant de- denominations. Yet, the churches have never said to the physicians, would you join with us to study these most fascinating phenomena? Nor has the physician said, may we get together with you to examine scientifically these occurrences which should be of such interest to our profession. Instead, the attitude of the the, the medical profession has been that miracle cures are non-existent, that the disease of which a person was cured did not exist in the first place. Either because it was imaginary disorder, such as hysterical conversation reaction or reaction, or else because it was a misdiagnosis. Fortunately, however, a few serious scientists, physicians, and religious truth seekers are currently in the process of beginning to examine the nature of such phenomena as spontane or spontaneous rep- remissions in cancer patients and apparently successful examples of psychic healing 15 years ago when i when i graduated from medical school i was certain that there was no there was no miracles today i am certain that miracles abound this change in my consciousness has been the result of two factors working hand in hand one factor is a whole variety of experiences i've had as a psychiatrist which initially seems quite commonplace but which When I thought about them more deeply, seemed to indicate that my work with patients towards their growth was being remarkably assisted in ways for which I had no logical explanation. That is, ways that were miraculous. These experiences, some of which I shall be recounting, led me to question my previous assumptions that miraculous occurrences were impossible. Once I questioned this assumption, I became open to the possible existence of the miraculous miraculous i can't pronounce these words today miraculous this openness which was the second factor causing my change in consciousness then allowed me to begin routinely looking at ordinary existence with an eye for the miraculous the more i looked the more i found if there was but one thing i could hope for from the reader of the remaining of this book it would be that he or she possesses the capacity to receive the miraculous. Of this capacity, it has recently been written. Self-realisation is born and matures in a distinctive kind of awareness, an awareness that has been described in many ways, many different ways, by many different people. The mystics, for example, have spoken of it as the perception of the divinity and perfection of the world. Richard Burke referred to it as cosmic consciousness berber described it in terms of the of the i thou relationship and maslow gave it the label being being cognition we shall use oskowski's term and call it the perception of the miraculous miraculous here refers not only to extraordinary phenomena But also to the commonplace for absolutely anything can evoke this special awareness provided that close enough attention is paid to it. Once perception is disengaged from the domination of preconception and personal interest, it is free to experience the world as it is in itself and to be on its inherent magnificence. Perception of the miraculous requires no faith or assumptions. It is simply a matter of paying full and close attention to the givens, the givens of life, i.e. to what is so ever-present that it, that it is usually taken for granted. The true wonder of the world is available everywhere, in the minutest parts of our bodies, in the vast expanse of the cosmos, and in the intimate interconnectedness of these and all things. We are part of a finely balanced ecosystem in which interdependency goes hand in hand with individuation. We are all individuals, but we are also part of a greater whole. Yes. (laughs) United in something vast and beautiful beyond description. Perception of the miraculous is the subjective essence of self-realization. The root from which man's highest features and experiences grow. Yes. We are connected in spirit in one. That's exactly what you're saying. Anyway, in which about in thinking about miracles, I believe that our frame of reference has been too dramatic. We have been looking for the burning bush, the part of the sea, the parting of the sea, the bellowing voice from the heaven. Instead, we should be looking at the ordinary day-to-day events in our lives for evidence of miraculous maintaining at the same time a scientific orientation this is what i shall be doing in the next section as i examine ordinary occurrences in the practice of psychiatry which has led me to an understanding of the extraordinary phenomenon of grace but i would like to conclude on another note of caution this interface between science and religion can be shaky dangerous ground we shall be dealing with extrasensory perception and psychic psychophan- or paranormal phenomena, as well as other varieties of the miraculous. It is essential that we keep our wits about us. I recently attended a conference on the subject of faith healing, at which a number of well-educated speakers presented anecdotal evidence to indicate that they are they or others were possessors of healing power in such a manner as to as to suggest their evidence to be rigorous and scientific when it was not if a healer lays hands on a patient's inflamed joint and the next day the joint is no longer inflamed this does not mean that the patient has been healed by the healer inflamed joints usually become unflamed sooner or later slowly or suddenly no matter what is done unto them the fact that two events occurred together in time does not necessarily mean that they are casually related because this whole area is so murky and ambiguous it is all the more the more important that we approach it with healthy skepticism least we mislead ourselves and others among the ways that others may be misled for instance is by receiving the lack of skepticism and rigorous reality testing so often present present in those ind- <clears throat> individuals who are public proponents of the reality of a psychic phenomena. Such individuals give the field a bad name because the field of psychic phenomena attracts so many people, <clears throat> excuse me, with poor reality testing, it is tempting for more realistic observers to conclude that psychic phenomena themselves are unreal although such is not the case. There are many who attempt to find simple answers to hard questions marrying popular scientific and religious concept with high hopes but little thought the fact that many such marriages fails fail should not be taken to mean that marriage is either impossible or inadvisable but just as it is essential that our sight not be crippled by scientific tunnel vision so also is it essential that our critical faculties And capacity for skepticism not be blinded by the brilliant beauty of spiritual realm. So we're on to section four tomorrow. And it's all about grace. And now now this is where it gets interesting because he's now talking about the marrying of religion and scientific. And if there is such a thing as miracles, I believe there's a thing called miracles. I believe in spiritual oneness, too the 12 laws of oneness and if you want to get into that you can find it on my channel too my patreon channel that is so anyway take care till next time